We're your health and safety angels, Daisy Silcock and Lindsay Mason. Health and safety, busting the barriers. Hello, and welcome to episode eight. Hey, Lindsay. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We are back to our nitty gritty. I've quite missed it. I, I, I don't like having a big gap between episodes because I enjoy what we do. How long's it been since we last recorded? Oh, you put me right on the spot. It's got to be about four weeks. Well, I've been away yeah. on holiday. I don't know if you know. And that was two weeks. Uh, no, I didn't see any <laughs> pictures of you with zebras and stuff. <laughs> just living my best life. Just living my best What's life. health and safety like in South Africa? Oh, my gosh. I turned away from the microphone then because I was so... Honestly, it was difficult. Very, very difficult. Every single day there's something. And you know what it's like. You can walk into town, whatever town you live near, and mm. you always see something. This is on a different level. So we're on a motorway, 120 kilometres an hour, which is, I'm going to guess, around 70, 80 miles Yeah, just an hour. slightly over, yeah. yeah. And uh, there might be roadworks. So their way of slowing... Uh, the roadworks are in the fast lane. Their way of slowing down the traffic, because there's workmen in the road, is to put a human being with a red flag and they just stand in the fast <laughs> lane. And and you can tell these people don't really want to be there because they're not even holding the flag up high and waving it. It's like from knee to hip. And it, oh. pff, so, I mean, it must be really difficult. I went with a friend and I'm constantly going, oh, oh no, oh no. She, she must have been sick to death of health and safety but um it it go it makes you realize just how good we are in the uk and the thing is is that of course if we cast our minds back i mean probably well before you and i were born because we're so young um that that will have been done if you remember traffic police would have been stood in the middle of road directing traffic you know um, you know, I mean, they still do to an extent, but not nearly as much. They usually have those sort of like um, video signs and stuff, don't they? Um, so, yeah, it's kind of it, it, it's stuff we do in the UK now probably eventually will come out over there, I'm, gu- I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and the health and safety is definitely growing. I saw someone on our network had been to uh, an IOSH meeting in South Africa. I mean, they use the motorway to walk to work. Now here, if there's a human being on the motorway, you get a massive sign, pedestrians in road, police are on their way, and, and they'll blue light it to get these people off the motorway. It's like a pathway. And you know what they've done? They've started to intro- install control measures, which is just to put a little barrier there. Wow. I know it, it was it was difficult because we you know I know we laugh and joke but we take it seriously right that's why we do it because it's important um and so it's hard not to see it do you know I've just I've just done a little google search of the number of deaths in workplace fatalities in South Africa I oh, don't well, no. I'm... I wonder if it's worse than our fatalities no, not... before we had the health and safety work. No, quite the opposite. In 2022, apparently there was 49. It's no. the lowest the... number ever. Well, I'm telling you now, there are a lot of people there that will be unaccounted for if you see the way that people live. Our teenagers would benefit from a trip there because there's a lot of people living in a lot of poverty and there is no possible way that that with the activities that go on that that's the figure. It it will be people just aren't. There's a there's a a lack of respect for life mm. from people because they just don't have very much. So it's not, um, you know, the, I, I took a picture. I thought oh, one day we, we it was pouring with rain and we're coming through this mountain range, and they have like their pickup trucks, and no joke, there were fourteen ish people squished on the back of this open pickup truck so they're all just sitting on top of each other the rain was pouring the wind was going we're all going at 90 100 kilometers an hour and oh oh it makes stresses me out thinking about it (laughs) so uh, those figures will i I, i'm gonna say from from my point of view my opinion is those figures won't be true no or or... just like our mental health figures in this country Mm, yeah yeah exactly 
Um, do you know, it just makes me think then you, uh, we've, we've had a bit of a change here in Wales since you've been away. Oh, how is that? I saw it on the news. The 20 miles per hours. Well, you know, obviously I'm going to sit here and say it's great because for, for anyone who sits and moans and says, oh, it's too slow, you go and have a, a cup of tea with someone who's lost a child in a road traffic accident and you tell me if you don't believe that that's mm-hmm. beneficial to drop the speed down. But like anything, it's change, Lynn's, and that's the issue, isn't it? Change takes a while for people to get used to. We've said it before, you know? it's, it's a massive industry, change management, and um, mm. it will... It will become second nature like not smoking in bars you know i remember Mm. when i was 18 coming home and you would stink of cigarette smoke Mm. and then people were thinking oh my god i can't believe they're banning it what are we going to do now if somebody was smoking inside you'd be you'd be looking around like how is this even happening yeah it it, 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 i remember it quite distinctly and because i think i smoked at the time and i remember people saying oh well that's it pubs and bars will never open ever again and look they're still going now I mean I know that people were bars and things were affected by the smoking ban but I don't think to the extent that perhaps people thought it would right. I mean I, I think people thought their their local boozers would just close down completely um so yeah I mean I think the, the 20 mile an hour thing um I think is if it, if it saves lives if it saves one life it's beneficial yeah um, but it's hard to manage because um, it is very slow, uh, and it, and even I feel yeah. sometimes a bit silly going that slow when it's an empty road and it's a twenty mile an hour zone. Maybe they've twentyed it because it's outside of school, um, but it's a Saturday or a Sunday. So I do struggle with that speed, um, and my cruise control won't work any lower than twenty. So I I can put it on twenty to make sure I stay at twenty. But it is re- it's a really difficult speed. It's going to take a while to naturally... You know you know when you're going faster. You can, your body's yes. used to that speed. I've found that. I've actually found that um, sort of muscle memory takes me to 30 on roads, like outside my house. And then I'm like, oh, no, got to go 20. Yeah. So I think everybody's going to find that, that, that difficult. Um, I think the, the, the one thing that I can't, align myself with is people like destroying the signs and stuff like that i mean it's it's just a waste of money i mean some people argue it's already cost however much don't waste any more you know we might not like it but we're just going to have to get on with it it is what it is um and uh, i I don't think destroying signs is going to change politicians view on changing the 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 speed there's there's definitely Um, other ways to put your point across but that takes time and energy mm. and effort and people don't want to do that we live in this thing we want stuff but we're not willing to put the hard work in for it but speed is a real Mm. issue because pretty much every site we go to they'll have a speed limit right so Mm. i was at a place recently where the speed limit in the car park was 10 now nobody that's really hard to go isn't it and the problem you've got is to go at 10 miles an hour you've got to look at your speedometer Mm. so you're not looking up and um i put my car in first gear and drove and it naturally took me to 12 i couldn't even go at 10 my car runs faster than 10 it is really hard because i've seen it before where you've got even five five miles an hour it's just i mean it's it, it's literally you are you are kind of fighting with the car almost, isn't it? Really, to, well, to go that you'd have to have your your foot on the clutch and just roll and then drive a bit and then yeah. roll. And I'd I'd be interested to see the people that chose that speed limit, why they chose that speed limit. They tested that speed limit. I'm under the belief that electric cars actually can't uh, even go as slow as mine at twelve. They they automatically run at like 15 or 16 gosh and so the, the the problem you've got is you put this speed limit in and no one can do it so guess what everyone starts doing just thinking it's they just ignore mm. it so it becomes a nothing mm. so it's kind of pointless isn't it so it's something i always say if you're gonna have a control measure make sure it works because mm. otherwise you're defeating the whole point of what you're yeah, doing no absolutely well <laughs> I think uh, we could put the world to rights on this and undoubtedly others will have something to say on this. 
and you know that's what this podcast is for it's not uh it's not for us to be the sort of uh the 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 the, the final word if you have opinions if you've got anything you want to share or any topics that you'd like us to cover then obviously get in touch how can people get in touch Linz? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, just 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 Google. Um we're Instagram health and safety angels and we're on email health and safety angels at gmail dot com. Beautiful. Whew. Thank well you. Well remembered. Gotta come out of holiday mode. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry, I went to a That's hard, that isn't it? <laughs> so today we are continuing with our health and safety at work, etc. Act 1974 journey. And we're going on to section 2.2. Now, the previous episode, episode seven, these episodes will almost work in a series because you need to have heard episode two point, uh, episode seven, sorry, which is covering um, section 2.1 to really now know the context of what we're going to talk about. So if you're picking this up uh, on its own, I'd probably say go back an episode at least and do episode seven and then come into this one. But what I would say is it's really hard to have the laugh and jokes that we do when we're talking about the law because it is what it is. Uh, it's important. And so to get the full benefit of this podcast, you've got to go back to the beginning and start from there. Oh, good plug. Good plug. Yeah, thanks. So you wanted to, <laughs> you wanted to put some music over this episode, didn't you, to make it sound a bit more interesting? And what was your song choice? Yeah. Well, I was a bit worried because um, you have to, when you put a podcast out, you have to put whether it's like explicit lyrics or, or clean. So obviously we're clean. Um, but there's a song by Colour Me Bad which says, I want to, three-letter word, you up. I think, and, I think you, can, reason I, you can say the word sex, by the way. Is it, oh, okay. Well, if now it gets taken off air... No, it's a swear word, they mean. Okay. Sex isn't a swear word. No, you're right. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's so British. It's a three-letter word. It sounds a little, little bit like... Because you wanted, no, the reason you wanted to do this, she just wasn't randomly throwing a song in. She wanted no. to do... I wanna section you up. Oh, that was a good replacement word. There you go. Well, because I, I opened legislation.gov.uk, which is obviously uh, the website that we go to to look at the law, and I was just having a read of section two um, before we started, and you know, you think, oh God, I wish it was more exciting. I do wish it was more exciting, and I, I my biggest wish, it, it didn't. It wasn't so confusing, and we'll, and we'll go through the first um, sentence shortly, which you'll understand what I mean. And I just want to make it more accessible to everybody because it just—it's not. But that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing it. So uh, it, you know, uh, this is the whole point of of we're not going to make law any more and sort of easy to read, sadly, because that's legal jargon, isn't it? That's what it what it comes. You know, uh, that's I guess why the health and safety executive have a role. Um, but yeah, if we can make it even more simpler. Well, I really wanted to sing that bit of the song, but uh, you know, I'm not made for singing. Go on, sing it. No, I'm. I'm just not. I'm not. Even the dog will probably freak out. Can please? Because um, I've done it. Should we no, do it in harmony? Because you can sing. I honestly, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't sing. I can't even hum in tune. I who was it that told me I couldn't hum in tune? Maybe it was Patrick who I worked with. But uh, I, yeah, he, I remember someone saying to me, "Wow." <laughs> wow you can't even hum in tune that's because i'm personality not anything else oh that oh i'm not even going to comment on that one now <laughs> okay i'm not I'm even that. but i can't sing you Lindsay, can sing it for me. by the way listeners Lindsay is so much more than personality take it from me oh thanks honey bud <laughs> <laughs> right so are you gonna are you gonna um are you gonna start with the first fascinating sentence from section 2.2 of the health and safety at work act yeah because it really it I, I just really struggle with it myself personally i struggle with it because it doesn't matter how much i study it i just i just don't function with uh, as a person who can read something like this and just get it so i'm gonna read it and you're gonna explain it to me okay and i and, and i think that helps then She's just told me that now, by the way. I, I wasn't aware that that was what was <laughs> well, happening. But yeah, I'll do it. Because I know I, I'm sitting in a, in a bracket with quite a few people 
that that do struggle um, with understanding something. So I think it works really well that I'm the one that, that asks a question and you respond. I will do it. My, I'll give it my best shot. Thanks. So we're under general duties of employers to their employees. Um, we're on section two and it's broken down into different sections. We covered subsection one on our previous episode and now we're moving on to subsection two. So it says, without prejudice to the generality of an employer's duty under the preceding subsection, subsection one, the matters to which that duty extends include in particular. We need to break that down. And then it goes into five separate smaller subsections a b c d and e so let's start with what does that phrase mean without prejudice to the generality of an employer's duty under the preceding subsection the matters to which that duty extends include in particular okay so this is where what i was saying before about listening to the previous episode because what it basically means is as well as what we've told you that you have to do in section 2.1 you also have to do this stuff so then this stuff that we also have to do a says the provision and maintenance of plant and systems of work that are so far as is reasonably practicable safe and without risks to health so the term so far as is reasonably practicable we covered in episode seven so again sorry to have to keep saying that but to 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 give the full definition we're obviously not going to keep doing that every time this this term comes up so please reference back to that episode for that uh, definition so safe plant so uh, as far as the term plant is concerned it's not talking botanics it's talking about apparatus machinery vehicles um, effectively, we're talking about equipment, stuff that you need to do your job. So safe, that stuff needs to be safe and safe systems of work. So safe ways of using that apparatus, vehicles, machinery, etc., and working in a safe way. So this is usually talking about procedures to do the tasks in safe, in a safe manner. So this section is requiring businesses to ensure that we provide them people with safe equipment, safe tools and safe ways of doing the tasks that we're expected to do in the working environment um, so that those things are not going to cause harm to us in any way. Lovely. Now, systems of work are something I like to talk about and we will move on to the employee's responsibility, but... um, Sometimes I don't think people really understand how important it is to follow those safe systems of work. So somebody, mm-hmm. for example, might have been in the job 10 years and they know the job like the back of their hand and they actually think there's a far easier way of doing it. So they decide they're not going to follow the system that the their employer has told them to do. They're going to do their own way because it's quicker. They think it's faster. They think it's more efficient. You actually can't do that, can you? If your employer gives you a way to do a job safely, you have to comply. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you gave an analogy at some point in a previous episode about uh, flat pack furniture. And sometimes I use the example of Lego for this. Now, if I said to you, I'm gonna, I bought you a pack of Lego and it's a, it's a ship. Okay, you can use the instructions or you don't have to. You can just build your own Lego ship you might end up building something that looks similar to what's on the packet, but you'll probably end up with a few pieces left over. The reason being is that the the instructions that have been given to the building of that Lego ship tell you exactly how to do it in the way that's been described and prescribed by Lego. So the employer equally comes up with a way of doing a task that hopefully has come from the safest way of doing the task and that's been put together in a kind of step-by-step process so that you not only are going to be safe but you're also going to keep other people safe while still doing the job so if we then come away from that we make our own method up potentially we're no longer keeping ourselves or other people safe we might still get to the end goal 
We might still have the ship, but it may not be what our employer intended in the first place. So a lot of employers will go above and beyond this level of expectation, the Health and Safety at Work Act and associated regulations. But there are some companies that may not be up to where they are. So this is an important part to know that if you do instruct somebody to carry out a job using um, equipment, you have to give them a safe system of work. Yes, absolutely. You can't just you can't just say crack on. No, and you can't turn around and say, well, apparently you've been using this piece of equipment. You, you know, you, you say you've used it before and therefore just do it how you've been shown in the past because equipment is different. You know, think about the, the, the times when you get your, your brand new mobile phone. It's still a phone. But do you know how to find all the apps? Do you know how to find all the... Probably, if you're like me, no. And actually, new phone day is, is fills you with dread and anxiety because you know that for a while, you're not going to press the right buttons. But you've been using a phone a long, a long time. So this is the difference because one company's machine may be dissimilar. It might do the same task. It might have the same end goal, but it might slightly operate differently you might have a forklift truck where if you push this lever forward the load goes down on another model if you push the lever that way it might do do something completely different that reminds me so much of my mother because <laughs> what with a forklift or with a phone with a, oh god i don't feel like i trust her with a forklift she'd be driving around our estate the whale of a time no iphone so um she got a, a phone that was upgraded that you uh, could use your face to open the screen. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, she still hasn't really got the hang of it. It is hilarious trying to see her opening a phone because she's so used to having the button at the bottom mm. that it, she's just like all tappy-tappy, hold it up, look at it. She, she even tries to look at mine. <laughs> <to open it. laughs> but it just, just goes to show that just because you've done something before doesn't mean you'll be able to do exactly the same with an, uh, an equivalent bit of kit. No. You do need to be trained. Absolutely. And the employer needs to ensure that you are competent to use that equipment that they've provided and to follow that procedure in the way that you've been trained to do that. Um, so, you know, a reiteration again, that if it says we have to do this, we have to provide it. That's a legal requirement. This is something we have to do. But only so far as is reasonably practicable, which is yes. all being fair. But but what that means is, is that the, the, the part that is so far as is reasonably practicable means that we have to do as much as we can to ensure that the equipment we provided is safe for use. It doesn't mean that we can pick and choose. It just means that we have to do with what's within our capabilities in, in terms of ensuring the safety of the equipment and that the procedures are being followed and they are actually keeping people safe. Right, well, on to B. So B says, arrangements for ensuring, so far as is reasonably practicable, safety and absent of risk to health in connection with the use, handling, storage and transport of articles and substances. So wordy, isn't it? Isn't this is the it is very wordy. Mm. Okay, so we could break it down. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is ensuring that the goods and the materials, stuff that we use to do our job, um, that we use it safely, we handle it safely. So that could be, for example, manual handling. That we store it safely. So think about things like chemicals and transport stuff safely. So that could be, again, it could be manual handling, but transport would usually mean to things like goods by road. Because one of the things that the HSE does have a responsibility for is ensuring that dangerous goods are transported in the safest possible way. So they, for example, issue the carriage of dangerous goods notices. Um, so they have that that sort of that part of it is also under their remit. So this section here is basically saying, well, whatever we use, whatever we are given to use to do our tasks, that needs to be safe. We need to ensure that it's looked, you know, stored safely, that it's not going to explode when we're moving it or handling it. That 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 stuff through that sort of almost like that transportation side of it 
isn't going to cause us any harm either. So this one here actually will have a lot of regulations stemming down from it. So we said the jellyfish body, ultimately you've got to keep people safe. Uh, and then the regulations break it down to tell us how to keep people safe. So there will be a number that will that we can look at later that will actually help us to comply with that section. Absolutely, because, you know, this, this is going to range from things like lifting of items. So, you know, not only manually handling, but also things like using cranes to the storage of chemicals and and manual handling regulations, all sorts of bits, you know, provision and use of work equipment regulations. So there's going to be lots of other uh, regulations that connect with that that little sentence. Fabulous. So then we're moving on to our third one, which obviously is very important to us as health and safety tutors. Um, The provision of C, this is section C, the provision of such information, instruction, training and supervision as is necessary to ensure so far as is reasonably practicable the health and safety at work of his employees with this one basically any hazards that your workers are exposed to they should be provided with information on those hazards and what we're doing to protect them from those hazards that information is going to come through various different ways For example, signage. Signage is a way of alerting people to the presence of a hazard. Training can also provide us with information. Supervisors, managers telling us, ensuring that we're doing things safely. Um, Providing basic instruction. So again, a bit like the procedures we talked about before. These are all ways of, of, of trying to ensure that the worker is working safely by giving them that knowledge, empowering them to make the right choices in the working environment. Now, supervision's a big thing because a classic thing that I see with supervision is someone's been in the role for a while and so they automatically get promoted. Oh, only talking about that today. It's, it's just, I mean, I want people to progress, but I really think businesses need to understand how important that supervisory role is because for me, it's that last line in the health and safety management system to ensure that everything is being done that you expect to be done Mm. and a supervisor is the one that's there to check on that checker to go back and say this is what you're asked to do can I just check that you're doing it correctly not to catch you out not to be a pain not to be horrible but because if that cog in the machine the worker isn't doing what they need to do to keep everybody safe the supervisor's there to recognize that and action changes. Yeah. Whatever you... W- but we we don't pick people that way. No, no, sadly we don't. We look at somebody, or, or a lot of the cases, we look at people who are very good at their job and we go, oh, you're so good at your job, we're going to promote you, without actually then providing them with any skills to be able to be a supervisor. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people, yes, they have some of those innate traits within them, sort of personality traits to be able to do that role, but not everybody not everybody can just literally go from, for, you know, today I'm going to be the supervisor and I'll know exactly what I'm doing and hit, hit the ground running. And also, like you said, these are, they, they, these, they are literally the front line of safety. Mm-hmm. Okay? They are seeing the activities of the workers, contractors, whoever it might be, what they're doing and whether they are following procedure. So if these supervisors don't understand the procedures if they don't have the information to hand if they themselves haven't been given the training if they haven't got the power to actually step in and say oh stop what you're doing it's not safe then why are we making them into this position so this is this is a a really really key role um so it is so important that we empower that level in the organization because they're often seen as a sort of so middle ground between workers and, and management and, and more senior levels and yet they're not given that the, the respect for that role or the training for that role or the support for that role so if we're gonna make sure that workers are following the information that they've been given the instruction they've been given the training they've been given this level of of staff management is essential mm-hmm. um, and also think about supervision in terms of, say, for example, if you've got employees that are 
inexperienced new employees, they're going to be more at risk and therefore they will require a higher level of involvement from supervision. So the, the level of supervision will differ from person to person to person in terms of the, the competencies and attitudes of behaviours that that worker has. If you've got somebody who's uh, got a really good attitude towards health and safety, very experienced, very competent, uh, knows what they're doing, you're not going to give them, you're not going to need to hold their hand. You're not, you're not going to need to provide them with the same level of supervision that you would an, a brand new worker. Simple. Um, but I also think not only is it a legal requirement to mm. provide supervision, um, to, to help keep people safe. It's actually a really good business choice to get a decent supervisor, pay them well, give them the responsibility. And if they manage your team well, you'll create so much more out of the people. We all remember that time you worked for someone that was an absolute numpty. You know, I, I can think back, uh, and it still feels like yesterday, this manager I had was just an absolute wally. Good choice of language, don't you think? Then yes, you're doing that. Uh, you're doing that. Don't mention snacks. I'll swear <laughs> I'm so scared of having the podcast cut. <laughs> I'm trying to think oh. back now to think if I have any said any swear words yet. No, definitely not. Mm. You know, as northern as I like potty I mouth. Know. That's why I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, it is. I mean, it's completely unedited, but I do t- I do have to go in and put the funky music at the beginning, funky music at the end. And check and, that um, Daisy hasn't sworn. Yes, and that Peppa <laughs> has... So I've taken her harness off today because last time we recorded, she decided to have a shake and you can hear the little lead bit on her harness in the background. So Aww. I took that out as well. But anyway, yes, supervisors are such a key part of a health and safety management system. Yeah, and yeah. And they... they businesses really need to to understand how important it is to have a decent supervisor because if something goes wrong they're there to action it to recognize something that's happened and then to come to you and say we need to make changes yeah. and if you've got someone that's not engaged doesn't care i mean um i, I don't know if we mentioned this but they they said it the such a massive percentage of poor mental health in the workplace is directly related to your supervisor slash line manager slash team leader. Mm. Um, and so even more importance on finding the right person, not just promoting someone because they've been there a long time or they asked to get promoted. Yeah, and another thing I want to just add with supervision is please allow them to supervise. Don't put them on the tools. Don't put oh. them so they can't actually do the job of supervising. It's such you know, a cop-out, isn't it? Oh. A working supervisor. You, you, when they look at the numbers and they go, say in manufacturing and you need 10 people to run a process line. Oh, well, we've only got eight. Oh, don't worry. We've also got John, the supervisor. Yeah, but if John is on the line, he cannot supervise. Yeah. Yeah, he cannot do all the other bits that you need John to do. Um, and, and this is the same with any level of management or whatever it might be. You know, if we start putting them on task, job specific tasks, they cannot do the other bits that actually are required of them. I know we always have emergencies, you know, we have issues and whatever, but if we're regularly putting them down as a worker, they're never going to be empowered. They're never going to be able to keep their eye on everything. It's just not going to happen. Right. Just pushing people so far. And I, you know, the reality it sometimes can be different to the theory. I know that you know, businesses are under pressure to make more. They can't charge more because people can't afford it. But as I say, every single training course, as an employer, you have absolutely no right to use human beings to achieve your end goal, which is making a profit. You can employ them, get them to do a job, do it safely to the best of their ability, but you cannot break people to achieve your goal. And if you can't achieve your goal without breaking a human being, then you're the one with the problem. You've got the bad business. I think you'd probably, if you did that and you were quite happy to do that, you'd probably be a psychopath. Well, then there must be lots of psychopaths because there's lots of companies. There's, well, the, the, oh, there are. I mean, I, I, I actually attended an event a couple of weeks ago and uh, they were saying that they did a um, a study was done. I can't think about what by what organisation, but a study was done, a survey was done of people in powerful positions 
in businesses in, in large organizations in London. It was only done in London. And this was things like banking, trading, stocks and shares. And 38% of them had psychopathic tendencies. Wow. And it doesn't mean like a psychopath as in like a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like that. Just the way they function. It just means the way that their brain functions. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to, that they're able to make very tough decisions, which you or I would really struggle with. Like, let's just make 900 people redundant today. And they'd be able to sleep at night not worrying about it. I feel guilty take, not taking Tiny Dog out for three stretcher legs a day. And she weighs three and a half kilograms and is tiny. I'll get emotional. So, yeah, I wouldn't be right. Not good in one of those roles at all. Stop crying. Oh, then, I can't seriously. But I, I do get cross with, with companies that abuse people to get where they need to be. But also the ones that say on the outside that it's all about this and all about the employees oh. and... And that anxiety kicks in because of work. Yeah. Oh. My sister said that when she came back from her holiday. She had two weeks, two amazing weeks away. She really relaxed. She really struggles to relax. And uh, she eventually got into that sort of holiday mode. She took a few days. And then it was the sort of last couple of days at the end of the holiday, that sinking feeling. Now, I'm truly grateful that I made the changes I did in my life. Um, and I, I didn't have it. I, I, I don't have that feeling because... I don't, oh, I don't have know. no. We don't have those people pushing us and 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 demanding stuff. And you know, I yeah. used to get asked for figures, for example. Then you'd get the figures, and then by the time you went to the meeting to show the figures, they didn't really care about those anymore. They wanted something else. Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? And it just broke me. And, and mm. I, I just to to abuse people like that to make a profit is. I know we've done it for years, but now we recognise it more. I just think it's just atrocious and nobody deserves that. So anyway, sorry, that was a bit off. We're on a tangent again. So I'll bring us back. So we're on the provision of such information, instruction, training and supervision. So training, obviously a key part of what we do, uh, making sure that people are actually competent to do their job Mm -hmm. and um, ensuring that they have had training for equipment, training for procedures and pretty please do not ever make training and all users email i can't stand them i get so cross what's that what's we said, that oh i don't even if you've ever had it but you work in an office there's like 100 people and so the health and safety team will have updated a risk assessment because somebody walked out of an exit to the building and there was a near miss someone nearly got hit So they've decided that they're no longer going to use that exit. They're going to make sure everybody all goes through the main entrance where we've got bollards. So they update the risk assessment and they send an all users email, which goes to every single person in the entire business. And it will say something like, please see attach updated risk assessment, have a read through and reply to save understood. What are the chances of every person that you've sent that email to reading that email? What are the chances of any of them doing it? Right, (laughs) because... People are busy. They've got stuff going on. Even if they intend to, they might red flag it. Well, you know, by the end of the day, you're already three pages down. And so sending messages out like that is such a tick box exercise. Oh, well, I sent it out. And then HR might chase you up. Oh, you haven't replied to say you've read it. And you're super busy. You're under pressure. You're rushing here, there and everywhere. So you go, oh, for goodness sake. And you just reply and say, yeah, yeah, read, read the risk assessment. And so the health and safety side of thing looks amazing on the books. Oh, look, everybody's read it. Everybody understands. But then somebody walks out of their exit, gets actually hit and injured severely. And then we go, oh, but everyone was sent it. Yeah. So we have we have to think about the method of communication when it comes to this information. You know, some things, yeah, stick it in an email. Some things could be, uh, you know, let's just have a little group chat, a, a meeting, a team meeting or whatever. One of the things that some organizations do well others not so well is sticking everything in an email as you say not everything that's that's not the best format for everything i know that you're covering your backside because you can say well i did put it in an email but some things can just be done face to face it could be done little group meeting it, it, it doesn't have to be done in in an email way i mean even if you uh have a chat with your team and you say right just a reminder um we, we've got to use this exit rather than that exit in the event of you can make a note in a diary I spoke to my right. spoke to the team today about this you could you, you, you know seriously not everything has to be 
so regimented you know let's it just loses personality and also it loses loses the importance and emphasis of some messages because as you say that that center wall kind of mentality doesn't mean that anyone has read it right and the other side is it, I, I think i feel it's the same with teachers so teachers in our educational system they go to university get a degree so they clearly have a certain set of skills to allow them academically to learn and produce essays and get a degree. They then go on to teach children that potentially don't have those key skills. And it's very difficult for them to understand certain behaviours from some children because they don't function like that. They just think they're being rude or dismissive. Or And I know with my saga along the way with my teenager that he doesn't mean to be the, the way he is, he just functions slightly differently. And it's exactly the same with giving information, uh, instruction, training and supervision to your staff. If you are a senior manager, you potentially have key skills that some of your workforce don't have. And we need to make sure that our communication is suitable for the intended audience. Mm. So if I'm speaking to senior managers, I'm going to deliver what my message in a particular way if I'm speaking to warehouse operatives I'm going to deliver my message in an alternative way for me I pick and choose what I wear to work if I'm going to construction sites I don't dress up in in posh clothes because it's not going to get the best engagement for the message I'm passing to people so it's not a case of oh it's on the notice board you've got to think about your audience because yeah. you can give any message you want if it's not taken on board the end where it's intended to you're achieving nothing and also this section talks about providing information training and so on and and, and it, it, let's not forget if you've got workers for example who are neurodivergent or you have workers who are migrant workers not first language english or you have people with perhaps a learning uh, difficulty or a visual impairment or something like that you're gonna have to make sure they still pro still provide them that information yeah but yeah. just in a format that works for that person so I've had it a few times where you have uh, multiple signs in multiple languages advising people of health and safety procedures. And someone will say to me, why do we have to have so many signs in so many different languages? Shouldn't you learn to speak English? And, and I say, just because somebody doesn't speak English as a first language doesn't mean that they are not entitled to the same level of protection as someone who speaks English as a first language. It's really selfish. If you've been hired, whether you speak one word of English or a million words of English, if you've been hired and that organisation believes that you're the most suitable candidate, then they've got two options. They either translate stuff into your language or they're going to support you to learn the, 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 the kind of the common tongue, as it were. Yeah. Um, because if they've employed you, as far as they're concerned, they've said, we're happy with what you've got to offer us, you know. So and they've got a duty. They yeah. have a duty to do it. And if you don't like that duty, don't run a business and don't employ people. Absolutely. Um anyway, right, better move on. Yes. So, D. Uh, moving on D. to D. Okay. So, so far as is reasonably practicable as regards any place of work under the employer's control, the maintenance of it in a condition that is safe and without risks to health and the provision and maintenance of means of access to and egress from... Oh, it's, it's so long, I couldn't even finish the sentence. Hang on. Do you run out of air? Uh, maybe that was what it was as well. It's long. <laughs> it's not even a... Oh, there is a... There's a um, comma in it, but... So let me go... Let me start from... And the provision and maintenance of means of access to and egress from it that are safe and without such risks. <sighs> It's, it's it's big, isn't it? It's hard work, that. So any place of work that your employer controls. Okay, so that in itself is a little bit to sort of think about. Not not every um, employer uh, will have you working in a place of work that they have control over. Okay, so for example, if you are a carer. You might be going into someone's home, for example, to give them personal care. The employer has no control over that premises. 
okay? We can do some things to try and ensure that that environment is safe. So we can do risk assessment. Um, we can perhaps speak to the, the household owner and say, if you've got a big barky dog, could you keep it behind a door or something like that? But it's limited. But this is talking about where we do have full control. So where we have control over the premises. It doesn't necessarily mean that we own the premises. We might be renting that space, but we still will have control over what happens within that. So what this section is talking about is things like getting in and out of the building, doing so in a safe manner. But when it talks about access and egress, it's not just talking about getting in and out of the building. It's also things like the ladders that you're going up to get onto the scaffolding, making sure that they're safe because it's access and egress in and out of the workspace, the work environment. It's also thinking about, I don't know, maybe in a warehouse, keeping the aisles clear so that the place of work that you're in and getting around that place of work is also safe. You're not going to trip over things or bits in the way that might cause you harm. And of course, stuff like emergency exits from buildings. Um, this also, just to state, so you're aware, the requirement um, also under this section, under this uh, D part, isn't just to do with buildings. Your place of work could be a construction site. It could be you might be working in, I don't know, you might be on a boat or something like that. If it's a place of work and the employer has some uh, level of, of, of kind of responsibility for the condition of that place of work, wherever it might be, whatever, whatever it constitutes, whatever it looks like, then they've got to ensure that it's a safe place. Lovely. And then the final part, which is section E. I'll take a big breath before I do this. <laughs> <laughs> Picture of good enough air. The provision and maintenance of a working environment for his employees that is, so far as is reasonably practicable, safe, without risks to health, and adequate as regards facilities and arrangements for their welfare at work. That's a good one. I like this one. It's not as I think that one's slightly less complex. Still a few dodgy words thrown in for confusion. Um, but this is something where the the actual environment that you're working in could be different to the 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 the, the previous part was talking about the physical place, the things that you know the the structure, as it were. This is more things within that space. So lighting temperatures, um, whether there's, I don't know, um, dust, noise in the environment and keeping the environment in a condition that is safe. So, you know, the, the lighting is good, that the, it is an appropriate temperature. And of course, it mentions about welfare facilities as well, doesn't it? Yes. And this is this one, even within the past month, I've been on site and honestly, the toilets were so disgusting, I wouldn't even let Pepper Dog use them. Uh, and I'm shocked. I'm just so shocked that people think it's okay to have staff at work from eight till five. And that's the situation they put them in. And I know that some people will have bad habits and therefore don't keep it clean. But we have a duty as an employer to provide these facilities mm. and to make sure that they are cleaned. I actually was having a look the other day at some improvement notices that have been um, issued, um, information on improvement notices that have been issued to employers and self-employed persons, for example, are all available. Where on... can we? Oh, oh just about to I was going to ask you. Um See, you, you were, we were on the same lines, aren't we? Right. They're all available. It's public notices, so they're all available on the HSE website. And uh, I was having a look at this, and actually there was a few examples that had come up where improvement notices were issued for things like no running water, no soap, uh, you know, th those sorts of things, because these are basic 
facilities to sustain human life in acceptable conditions. So mm-hmm. this is your toilets. This is your hand washing facilities. If you're going to get really mucky in your job, you might need a shower. This is places to change into your PPE, take your coat off, that sort of thing. Welfare will also be rest facilities, somewhere you can make a drink, somewhere you can sit and have your sandwiches, you know. Um, think about, for example, if you're if you're um, a pregnant uh, worker or you're breastfeeding, you're going to want somewhere so your boobs don't explode to express yeah. your milk. So, And you don't particularly want to do that in the loo, you know. So I remember when I was feeding my two, going into a coffee shop and um, saying, is there anywhere I can... Uh, feed my baby and they said oh yeah we use the disabled toilet for that so you have to go and sit on the toilet with the lid down god knows who's been using it or when it was last cleaned usually most of these places only have one disabled toilet so what are people who are right. disabled going to do and you cut your breastfeeding is not 30 seconds no it's not quick you could be there for some time you could read a whole book while you're doing that well, now now i'm me- now i'm who i am if i ever made the decision to have another child, which I won't, and I will, for a fact, I've got my tiny dog. Um, I would actually be fine breastfeeding in public now. Also, I think as you get older as well, you get a little bit more like, oh, who cares? The whole world and his wife have seen them. A little bit. I just do not care anymore. (laughs) Not, Not even just about that, just about everything. I mean, sometimes on my courses, I'm just a wally. It's just, I have fun while I'm delivering and, and, uh, I, I do some of it to, to keep people engaged. But I do think some people, especially the younger delegates, must sit there and think, wow, this lady is something else. <laughs> oh, 100%. Absolutely it. 100%. I get. I, I can see the looks on their faces going, God, she's such a loser. <laughs> do you know what? I really like that. And I'm like, do you know what? I, I actually am a loser yes. and I love it. I love it. Oh, that's such a good place for us to end. Two health and safety losers. We're not, though. They are fabulous. So just to round it up, we are on Section 2 of the Health and Safety at Work Act, which is general duties of employers to their employees. Subsection 2, which breaks down into five smaller sections, A, B, C, D and E, and puts further duties relating to specific things on employers to ensure that their employees are healthy, safe and they have welfare facilities at work well it's been an absolute pleasure daisy and uh, we will speak to all of you on our next episode look forward to it be safe take care bye